my calculations are correct, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. It's showtime. Right, welcome everyone to the VHS Strikes Back. I am Chris Phelps, one of your hosts, and my co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Horrocks. Hey there, Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to the VHS Strikes Back, the show where we dust off the video player and go on a nostalgic journey to look at the good and bad movies of yesteryear. No, thanks, Dave, and thanks, everyone, for listening last week to our second episode, which was Rocky Free, one of my absolute famous classic films. We both enjoyed it. If you haven't listened to it, get on to the VHS Strikes Back podcast on your podcast hosting app, and you'll be able to listen to our back catalogue of Rocky Three and Back to the Future. Now, this week, I've let Dave loose on this one. This is a film that Dave has watched I have never seen. So, Dave, what are we reviewing and what does this film mean to you, Dave? Well, we reviewed a couple of crackers in, the, in those last two episodes. And I thought we'd go on a, on a slightly different journey this week. So, we're going to review the 1986 B sci-fi movie, The Eliminators. Now, Back in the day, Chris, I don't know if you always went down to the video shop, but we used to have a a bloke and he'd come around and he'd have a bunch of videos in the back of his van, not to sell, but to rent. And these were never like the blockbusters. This wasn't, you know, the Rocky movies. This wasn't Back to the Future, anything like that. But he usually had a good selection of shit. (laughs) 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 So you, you'd, You know, there was no internet then or anything. So a lot of the times you had to go off artwork, you know, how things looked. And if you had a quick look at the back of the the video cassette box, you know, does it look like it's something that could be interesting? And the artwork for this movie really sucked me in. And I think I rented it and then ended up buying it or acquiring it somehow (laughs) and I just remember as a kid absolutely loving this movie and I thought I I know in my heart of hearts it is a pretty terrible movie but I remember enjoying it a lot as a kid and so I thought it might be fun rather than us picking all the best ones and sending everything to Cloud City you know our top rating we do something that's gonna have us seeing things slightly differently so like i say i loved it i think it is aimed to be a kids movie and um quite interested to get into this and reviewing it with you and i'll give you an honest assessment dave already what an interesting movie you made us review (laughs) (laughs) now i I didn't have the luxury of having a guy in the back of a bedford rascal van turn up with a load of videos. We actually had a video shot called Sound and Vision in Manchester where I lived, which was a local run one by a friend of mine's pe- uh, father and uncle. And I, there was all sorts of B-movies in there. We were in there twice a week, always. I used to stay at my grandparents to, so we would go and rent a movie. My mum and dad couldn't really afford it. My grandparents could, so we'd blag the arse off them to go watch some martial arts thing. And I've never come across this, Dave. I've never seen it. I've not even seen the artwork. So when we you suggested us actually reviewing it, I was like, oh, fucking hell, this is going to be terrible. But I, it was so B-movie-ish that I really, you know, I, I, oh, I can't wait to talk about it, Dave. I think, I think we just need to get into the review. Yeah. 
In a hidden fortress concealed by impenetrable jungle dwells Dr. Abbott Reeves, a brilliant but devious scientist with the power to create. Help the mandroids in the cage, Takata. Any malfunctions? I had some trouble with this. Feels like a delay in the neurosynapse trigger. And the will to destroy. Move its memory, then dismantle it. It's half human. He must be eliminated. Colonel Nora Hunter has the brains to mastermind the operation. We need a full-time mechanic, my friend. Fontana, the river rat. What are you doing? I saw this in a movie once. When he finds himself in a tight spot, someone else has to pick up the pieces. Kuji, the ninja. He has the martial skills to destroy his enemies. The Mandroid. More machine than man. His special powers will determine whether or not they survive. We got robots. We got cavemen. We got kung fu. What is this, anyway? Some kind of damn comic book? It is the most perilous journey any one of them has undertaken. And once they reach their destination... They face the most awesome power on Earth. You don't understand. Soon I shall rule the world. It will take all their combined skills to defeat him. Each one is the ultimate specialist in his field. Together... They are the Eliminators. We open up, don't we, with uh, a mandroid, like a cyborg type thing, fighting some Roman centurions. And we also get this random shot of a plane being shot down. Now, it turns out that this mandroid, he returns he goes back to the future, or back to the present, rather, and he brings with him this centurion shield, and he returns it to his master, this sickly Abbot Reeves, as proof that he has actually been back to ancient Rome. With the mandroid having served his purpose, Reeves orders him to be destroyed, but Reeves' assistant, Takada, or Dr. Takada, helps the mandroid to escape before he gets killed himself in the process. He before he dies, though, he tells the mandroid to go find Colonel Nora Hunter. Now, <laughs> initially there, you've got, you've got a cyborg, Chris. You've got Roman centurions. You've got a plane crashing. You've got a fight-off. What did you think when this movie started? <laughs> He's fucking shit, Dave. <laughs> 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 the, the best bit I absolutely loved was the, the mandroid and his wheels that he gets. And you can clearly see <laughs> that, that, that Patrick Reynolds, who plays the mandroid, is leaning and tipping. It's obviously top-heavy with his weight. And there's a few times there when he's riding the mandroid out near the whole thing with the wheels. It looks like he's going to fall, Dave. It, it really <laughs> looks dangerous. It really <laughs> does. When, when he's going down the steps, the steps. He, he goes down about three steps and you're like, oh, he's going to tip over here. And, and you can see it in his face. He's like leaning back ever so slightly. He thinks he's going to go himself. Oh, it's, it was terrible. And they, they obviously stole a lot of the laser effects from a very low, lower side budget of Star Wars because they were absolutely awful. And yeah, 
it was just a typical B movie. He started off very reminiscent of a couple of B movies we reviewed in our other podcast, Comedy Emotion, especially Nick Fury. We've had the hassle off, and obviously that was late nineties. This is eighty six. You get what you pay for, Dave, and they didn't pay for a lot. It was obviously the Mandroid is a cross between Robocop. The Terminator, he's got the chiseled square jaw of Arnie. Obviously, he's not as ripped up and as big as Arnie. And it was just a basic B-movie rip-off, wasn't it? it? It was one of them films where you're watching it, and I'm like, I'm sat here with my head in my hands going, what the hell is this? But I can't take my eyes off it. I'm watching it like, <laughs> seeing how bad the acting is, everything. And the character that really pissed me off when I was watching it was Harry Fontana. So obviously, the Mandroid gets away. We get all this bloody thing going on. And the girl, again, like you've mentioned before, Dave, very, very rapey in this film. Denise Crosby, who plays Colonel Nora Hunter, she, she doesn't have a good time at all, does she, Dave, at the, at the start of this. She goes into a bar and we get, which is quite unusual, we get this very butch woman who, who beats the shit out of everyone in the bar because she <laughs> says, like, I need the toughest, you know, the toughest person on the river sort of thing. And she levers them all, but then Harry comes along and bottles her, doesn't he, and acts as if he's beat everyone up. So she hires him. And I'd read, like, in the research, because obviously I had no point of reference watching it. You're going to love this, Dave. He's actually based on Han Solo. Now, <laughs> very cheap Han Solo. And Harrison Ford must have been turning in his Indiana Jones outfit because absolute nothing like him. It was just, oh, the, the humour of this guy, he just wanted to smack his delivery was terrible. And what I found really interesting was Harry comes onto it as a sort of sub-supporting character. But as the film evolves, he sort of like becomes the main antagonist, like the main good guy, doesn't he? Which is really weird. I think this, this whole movie, I can tell why I liked it as a kid. And even on this rewatch, I, I could remember a lot of the lines of dialogue and stuff. You know, when he, he throws off the barrel and in a complete take back to James Bond, he's like, I saw this in a movie once. And it just seems that you've given a kid a pen and paper <laughs> and just said, you know, write a story about all the things that you love. Right. So, you know, you, you talked about Terminator there. Definitely the old red eye is taken from that. Robocop actually came out the year after, came out in 87 Robocop. So I thought, oh, I wonder if there's a, a bit of influence the other way as well. But you've got uh, Romans in there. <laughs> you've got uh, plane crashes. You've got ninjas. You've got <laughs> uh, cavemen. Do you remember Toy Story 2? When it starts off, and you've got the kids playing uh, with all the different toys, and he's got you've got this random cross franchise story going on where he's just bringing everything together, and nothing really makes sense. It's kind of like this. <laughs> it's just too much thrown in, and I don't know about Han Solo, but I thought he was more kind of uh, what's his name, Jack Colton from Romance in the Stone. Ah, yeah, Michael Douglas. Now, that's yeah. a good film, Dave. That is a good film. I had a big thing for Kathleen Turner, actually, many moons ago. Yeah, it's a good call, actually. So that, now, that was 84. And I definitely think, you know, you could say, well, you know, Michael Douglas's role there was a little bit, you know, after Star Wars, there was all these kind of Han Solo knockoffs. And they just, you know, as time went on, they become a little bit further removed each time. And so that whole river rat thing, that's what I thought, you know, he was really, he, well, he did 
continue to be that main uh, or that main supporting character. But like you say, I, I don't know if they really had someone to rally around. There was no like Luke Skywalker, was there? You know, it really was this ragtag bunch of misfits that all just, as the story goes on, they seem to find each other. Yeah, because I think he obviously we know the Mandroid is the main person on the the, the box art, the video. He starts; it's centered around him and Nora Hunter. But like I say, this Fontana guy is just a weasel. In he? he's just like a yeah, I get the Han Solo bit, a bit like at the start of Star Wars and the way he, he takes the money off Obi Wan and and off obviously Princess Leia and that, and they want him because he's a fighter pilot and he redeems himself at the end, but. It was pretty much a bit of a, I don't know, it was just a really poor rip-off. But the best bit about this film, so we, we get this scene where Fontana and Nora have got, like, Mandroid and they're on these riverboats and they're getting chased by the worst bad guys ever. We've got this butch woman again and we've got, like, a henchman. We've got this big guy with a beard, with a moustache, looks like somehow the ape. That's Reeves's man isn't it so they end up getting chased by these rival riverboat people who just want this contract and they think the best way of winning the contract is to shoot the person awarding the contract (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you've also got reeves's men as well who are after the mandroid and he's straight out of like this book tooth hillbilly you know straight out of the worst kind of james bond villains isn't he he is, because it, it sort of reminded me of the Roger Moore James Bond and the sort of one-hour baddie he used to get in the A-team. He, he just reminded me of someone that BA had thrown across a room or something. It was yeah. really crap. And every time they got near the Mandroid and Fontana, they got away. But Dave, I'll be honest with you, 86, how old was I? Eight years old, maybe not. We're having them sort of stirrings, but give it about three or four years later. And the scene with... Nora Hunter. I I know where you're going. (laughs) In in the plane, without a bra, under the water. They didn't give a shit in this film, continuity-wise. Dave, I would have been all over this film, and it would have had to be worn out at that point because my (laughs) word, did we see a bit of a wet t-shirt contest? It was absolutely amazing. (laughs) That was about the best thing in the film. It was just so wrong. But I was thinking, yeah, I reckon about 12. At that age, yeah. A crack at something anyway. As a 10, 12, well, probably 12-year-old Chris, maybe late 80s watching this. I did have a little trick, Dave, when I was watching these videos, and there may have been certain points where I need to dash off to use the toilet. (laughs) I would would sort of get it to the bit where there may have been some slight female skin, shall we say. But what I would do, (laughs) the trick was, Dave, I would fast-forward past it just slightly so that if somebody in my house, and there's plenty of brothers and sisters in my house and my parents, actually happened to put it on, they wouldn't see the section that I've just been shall we say, enjoying myself. (laughs) (laughs) I knew full well within 20 seconds, I was back to the bit that gave me so much pleasure, Dave. And that was a a Chris Feltz tip for anybody who still watches VHS movies. (laughs) Special shout outs to Basic Instinct, Sliver and everything else. (laughs) Kids nowadays have got no idea, have they? Because when you pause your Blu-ray, it just, it's, crystallized it's like a picture on the screen but when you used to pause the old vhs and the betamax as well 
it's jumping all over the screen, isn't it? So I'm trying to think of the logistics then. So what would before you nipped off to the toilet, do you just watch the bit, fast forward well, well, it a bit? It may have been sometimes if, if there was no one in the house, I didn't need to nip off to the toilet, Dave. <laughs> but, well, I might have had to afterwards, but I would get to the point where I needed to, and if there was no one in, I was all right. But obviously, uh, if there was people in, it's a sort of you know subliminal photograph in your head, and then I'd fast forward past it, and I'd be away. Dave, come on, that day, 12 years old, 13 years old, you're like a jackhammer, aren't you? Come on now. <laughs> Augusta Wind it. Put, sets it. you off. Yeah. You get it? So... I would just slightly fast forward it past that section and then rewind it to when I was on my own, obviously, again, to maybe <laughs> go back to it. So most of my videos were, I used to know it was about 44 minutes into Basic Instinct before we got a bit of action there. <laughs> I get it. So, so you get to that bit, you stick it in the wank bank, <laughs> and, then, and then pop off to the toilet brilliant yeah that was a long time ago dave when you live in a house full of people it's very difficult obviously you literally like a like a ninja almost dave like a, ninja, <laughs> like a fucking ninja a wank ninja <laughs> dave, like, <laughs> i mean at 12 years old you know and or, or in and around that time i mean it doesn't take a lot to set you off does it no, it doesn't. It doesn't. But yeah, so there's my confession there for it all out. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I did have a, a bit of a thing for old Denise Crosby because I think it was, was it the year after, a couple of years after she, she was appearing in Star Trek, the next generation. Um, but yeah, I think as we go back and we watch these, I mean, there were a lot of boobs in eighties movies, weren't there? And just yeah. for no particular reason, it was like it was in the law. It was in the law. It was you know part of the contract. You make a movie, you got to get a boob scene in somewhere. So <laughs> we, we got to see uh, a bit of a wet t-shirt thing going on there, and then you know a bit of some side boob action as well. So <laughs> I know I know what you mean there. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't need I don't, to be totally sleazy, Dave. Sorry to cut you off. But I just couldn't help it watching it, thinking this is the the highlight of the whole fucking film. <laughs> well, I have to say, I mean, I, I still think, you know, back to that video case poster that I saw, and the Mandroid, I thought was, I thought he was going to be a bigger part of it. You know, I thought he was going to be the central character, and, and the, the artwork suggests that. But I did think, you know, this ride in the whole tank was pretty damn cool. But, you know, being a bit older, all right, a lot older now, you know, I'm sort of left thinking, it's a bit fucking pointless, that really, isn't it? Because he has to take his legs off to attach himself to the tank. And he's not really any, you know, when he goes down those three steps at the beginning, he's not actually going any quicker than just walking or running down. No. So you're sort of thinking, yep, it looks cool. And some special effects guy has spent a lot of time building that. Um, and again, in 1986, no CGI or anything, all practical effects. I think that looks pretty good. But um, yeah, so th- so for me, that was the highlight. It was all around the the Mandroid for me. But yeah, it turns out that of course, you know, he'd been rescued. He was an aircraft pilot, um, but he's got very fragmented memories. Doesn't really remember anything. And this Abbott Reeves had kind of built a cyborg out of him or a Mandroid, as they. Uh, lovingly call him and i tell you the other thing chris didn't this start 
kind of remind you a little bit of Iron Man? I can tell by the <laughs> silence. No. <laughs> no? <laughs> no. So, so you've got the helper. Yeah. So in Iron Man, when he was in the cave, he was, he was helped by the scientist, wasn't he? And he ends up making a sacrifice, and, you know, but he, he helps Tony escape. I've never thought of it like that, Dave. This is this sounded like one of them pictures on Dragon's Den. That is me the dream, but no. Uh, I never I thought of it. it at the time, but just when I was rewatching it, I thought, oh, that's that's. And I think why it might be influenced. Of course, Iron Man was you know years and years in the future at this point when this was done, but of course the comics have have been the same for years. And so a lot of this, again, it's, it seems like a bunch of ideas just thrown at a script. But also there is a, a almost a bit of a comic book feel to it as well. Yeah, yeah, there is, to be fair. I think there's, there's some sort of adaption somewhere. Because what I found really, really bizarre while watching it is, you know, you can tell it, the budget isn't there. And I agree. I think the practical effects of the actual Mandroid's unit or whatever, he's, the car thing he's driving, or the tank, is very good. You are correct. I'm not, you know, I'm, all right, I'm taking the mix sort of thing. But, but that is very, very good. It's interesting. It fits the time. Like you say, I didn't realise, I not realised the time-wise, that obviously Robocop was out the year later. So fair enough. It may, Robocop may have taken something from it. You do hear it where directors will take things from low, lesser known films. And obviously around this time, this was around the time of Back to the Future and things like that. He definitely wasn't anywhere near it. But what I found really, really strange was, like you said, the mixture of so many characters within different genres of films just thrown in i mean me myself and you i know i'm gonna cross promote now again but our other podcast comics in motion we do talk about in some of the comic book based movies and tv shows that we've we've reviewed especially from the 80s how the stereotype martial artists in, in all them years all martial artists are from asia we know it's adapted originally from china and, and asia and we know that Bruce Lee, obviously, is, is the absolute godfather of martial arts. I love him, absolutely love him. And as it's, years have gone on, it's become more sort of westernized where, you know, you've got your Van Dams, you've got people like that who have promoted it, done loads of films. But again, this film, you've got Conan Lee there who plays Koji, Kuji, sorry, who's the ninja son of Dr. Takada who gets killed at the start, who helps, obviously, the mandroid. And... He does the, the fucking most stupidest thing. He's just randomly sat by a river stream, like picking <laughs> fish out. And I'm like, this become any more racially stereotyped that the Asian guy is just a martial artist, Dave? I just thought that whole introduction and the music was crap. Not only that, but of course he's a ninja. He's not. He doesn't just practice a bit of martial arts. He is a ninja, you know. And what '80s movie would not be better with ninjas in it? <laughs> no way, Dave, I'm sure I would have liked it. But the whole context of the film, I mean, he doesn't come into the film for about an hour. So it's not like he's in, the way they, they tagline this film, they tag it out as if, say, within the 20 minutes, you've got this whole team together. So you've got Fontana, uh, Nora Hunter, you've got Mandroid, you've got Kuji. He, he doesn't come into it until they're well out into the film as a, like a three bring some sort of thing and and it's just so random because when i was watching it and having seen the trailer when you said we're gonna you know can we review this i was like yeah of course and i watched the trailer 
the way the trailer portrays it is he's in it as one of the main guys, like a bit of a, a bit of a team or a bit like, I remember a film years ago. I know they're not all martial artists, but best of the best. So you had like Eric Roberts and you had like Chris uh, Penn, Sean Penn's brother, and different people in it. And I'm thinking this looks like a proper eighties buddy film. You know, they all team up together and it's like, but he was only in it for half an hour, not even that. And he only had a few scenes. I mean, his, his martial arts kicks and that were very, very questionable, Dave. I'm sorry, <laughs> but some of them were, were straight out of the old Chuck Norris stuff from the 70s. At least Chuck Norris was a proper champion kickboxer and that. I've seen some crap, but this was some of the, the kicks and chops he was doing. I was like, there's just no way someone would go down after them kicks. They were just awful, really badly choreographed. Well, to be fair, the casting director at the time probably just saw that he was Chinese and assumed he was a he was also a martial arts expert as well. Because, <laughs> <You know? laughs> like you say, I mean, that seems to be the way of it. You know, back in the eighties, it, it's it's <laughs> a nonsense. But yeah, what more can you say about that? But like I say, I mean, even before he gets introduced, you've got cavemen (laughs) come back and you're like whoa crikey can they throw anything more at the wall with this i look terrible dave i mean we've reviewed again we reviewed the incredible hulk and that was bad the the original bill bixby one with the actual prosthetic makeup they used on luther rigno and this fuck me it was terrible dave it was like a load of art students had got together got a box full of makeup and, and sort of clothing they can put together in like a jumble sale and come up with these sort of characters. It was awful. And it made no sense the way they were reacting. I mean, obviously they were sort of being a bit sort of pervy towards Nora, but it was a bit like, this is terrible. And the fact that Fontana used this sort of fire thing and threw the bullets in the fire to escape was the weakest thing I've ever seen, Dave. It was absolutely awful. Getting a, getting a quick rapey snog in as well before he does it. Yeah, and that's what I mean. At that point <laughs> in the film, the last 20 minutes, Fontana becomes like the main hero because she falls for the fact that it basically, in this day and age, it'd be a Me Too movement. He just keeps pushing himself on her. And he went from being the supporting character to swapping in Mandroid. And Mandroid ended up being sort of like a backward character for the last like 20 minutes of the film. It was really, really strange because I thought Fontana was a really, really bad character to be honest. I thought he was one of them really annoying 80s arses who just wanted killing at some point in the film because he, he just <laughs> wasn't deserving of the billings. And he's, he's actually billed as the top man in this Andrew uh, Prime. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I recognise him. Did you ever see V when that was yes. on? Yeah, yeah. So he was in that, and so I, I'd recognised him from that, and I, I still think, I, and I look back at it now, I don't quite know why, but I used to get like him and James Woods confused. But um, yeah, he wasn't great. But I think his finest slash shittest moment comes a bit later, though, and I'll, I'll call that out when we get there. But I mean, obviously, they get away from these cavemen. We meet up with a ninja who just happens to be, you know, we stumble across the the son of Dr. Takada. And then so they go and storm Reeves' headquarters, only to find that he's now a more advanced mandroid himself, kitted out in this whole Roman centurion cyborg kind of deal. Now, Chris, were you impressed by that? (laughs) (laughs) 
lie if you want, Dave. No, so I, I teed you was... up there, but I mean, I have to say, you know, I'm going through and I'm watching, like I say, I'm kind of impressed by the tank and, and we haven't mentioned Spot, have we? The little, um, uh, the little robot thing that the Colonel's got. I, yeah. I thought that yeah. was a complete rip off the little robot from uh, Black Hole, but it gets to this bit and we see Reeves in this fucking Roman centurion kit. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Who? All the other stuff I can forgive, right? I think the, the Mandroid looks good. Bit of better lighting. I think it could have looked really good. But that centurion getup looked ridiculous. And the fact that it's not really explained. We saw, you know, Reeves was quite ill at the start. He's on like this dialysis machine type of thing. But then he turns up, and he's just—he's just completely rejuvenated. So, yeah, and the story I, didn't tell us really what what was going on there, what what that was for. No, no, he didn't. He didn't at all. And obviously, Mandroid decides to sacrifice himself, doesn't he? Because he had a fight with Reeves, and he gets damaged. And I was just like, I really don't care, to be honest. It was just. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> but I tell you, who also doesn't care. Mandroid's teammates. Because <laughs> like, so Reeves takes him out pretty easily, and I can't remember. There's some line of dialogue there. He says, "I'm much more powerful than you," and and Julie takes him out, and then he he encases the rest of his team in this like energy circle, and and they're like, "Oh no, he's he's dead." Yeah, <laughs> Mandroid's dead, and um, and then he kind of gets on. Oh, he's not dead. And then he sort of short circuits this energy circle so that they they can live because I think it was it was shrinking, wasn't it? And I'm like, all right, he's dead now. <laughs> you know, let's go. <laughs> and it's like no mourning, no 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 sense of you know loss or anything there. It's just like no, right, come on, let's go. Yeah, very. I, I can't work out if they were trying trying to sort of engineer a franchise out of it, Dave, a TV show. I couldn't work out what they, they were going for with this because it, it just felt so TV moverish. I mean, it made 4.6 million, to be fair, Dave, when it was released in the theatres, which mm-hmm. for a B movie is not bad in 1986. And it got released on, on video, obviously, where you saw it. And it's been re released a few times. And I, I, I just don't get it. I know there's a load of films out there like this where they're trying to sort out a franchise. And it's the hoping that someone's going to grab. We see it these days, don't we, with films that we watch. But my word, it really, really, it was just a mess at the end, a real mess. It just felt like they'd run out of time and they had to they had to sort of end it somewhere. And that was the best they could come up with because killing it like the Mandroid is a bit of a shame, really, because I think he possibly could have got into another film sort of thing. But... He was probably too expensive to keep going. <laughs> you know, if they were going to carry it on, they'd just keep having flashbacks to Mandroid so they don't have to keep doing new reshoots. Then saying, oh, remember when Mandroid did this and saved us all? <laughs> you know, But old Patrick Reynolds, he's, he's a quite interesting character. I mean, he was in that original Pumping Iron. Uh, he's a massive campaigner for anti-smoking. So I think... Um, I think it was his grandfather or something was uh, one of the makers of Camel and Winston cigarettes. And then when his dad died of smoking, he just went completely the other way, went completely anti-smoking. And he had been linked. Um, he'd been in a few talks to play Captain Picard in Star Trek Next Generation. 
But that, of course, went to Patrick Stewart. And I can't think that they've ever looked back because, you know, good old Patrick Reynolds. He's got a bit more of a chiseled jaw than Patrick Stewart, but uh, I'm not as sure about his acting skills. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that was pretty terrible. But I kind of think, though, Chris, I, I I know it's terrible. But for me, the worst movies, the most terrible movies, just never have anything to say. And you just get through and you're just like, I am so bored. And then you get two weeks later and you're like, I think I've watched that, but I just can't remember anything that happened in it. This one was so chock full of stuff. There is, to me, again, probably or possibly because I'm watching it back and I've got some memories of it. I am kind of enjoying it on some level as I'm going through this. I think I've got to slightly agree there. As much as I think it's pretty terrible, and we've reviewed some proper turkeys over the years, this genuinely has a charm to it that I think I could watch it again, Dave. I could watch it again to take the piss. And I can't say that about some of the films we've reviewed and I've slated them or I've scored them down low. And I think you're right. I think when a film is set up like this, and it's a B-movie. From the get-go, it is a B-movie, whether it's the acting, the props, the sets, the special effects. You know what you're getting when you watch this film. Exactly like when you watch something like, I don't know, A Man of Steel, a lot of people don't like it, like yourself, is it's a lot of money and doesn't tell a lot of a story to certain people. So I think I get more annoyed when it's something that's supposed to be billed as an absolute world beater of a film it's had so much marketing and money from behind it and it's just crap when you watch it you know this just ticks all the boxes if you wanted to sit in on a saturday or sunday afternoon get a few snacks and just have a total brain fart and just watch something fucking ridiculous and take you away from the hundred sort of worries of life and bills and that it's just one of them weird films that has it has a little charm to it i'll be completely honest yeah, yeah. No, it's good. I, I'm, <laughs> um, we haven't said that about a lot of the movies we've reviewed, have we? You know, I, I think most recently the the one that came out of the cinema, Dark Phoenix. You know, just absolutely forgettable storyline. Can't even remember what happened in it now. So, yeah, I think this right. one you can't help but not remember it because it's got so much chocked into it. So. <laughs> Dave, I agree. And we we reviewed John Wick 3 and both fucking hated it. And that was supposed to be the saviour of God, wasn't it? So, again, the hype didn't, for me and you, serve a purpose. So for this, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not hating it. I, I, and you, I know like, at the start I was laughing about you selling me the dream, like laughing, but, <laughs> but genuinely, I don't think you have to as we review it and we talk about it. There, there is a charm to it. It's very much a TV movie. And that's what you pay for. So, yeah, it... it I'm going to say, Dave, it is what it is. (laughs) It is what it is. Well, I mean, I I mentioned about Fontana's kind of best and worst line, but, you know, you essentially get Reeves. He escapes. He's beaten the Mandroid, uh, the the remaining Eliminators, which I honestly still could never quite work out why they're called the Eliminators. But, you know, they chase him, but he gets away on his time machine. And Fontana says something to the effect of, I knew I should have studied computer programming. (laughs) 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 This this is a river rat, you know, uh, making his living from 
bussing people up and down a river in South America. <laughs> it's like, oh, I knew I should have studied computer programming. And he just smashes the keyboard. And that sends Reeves off. It overshoots ancient Rome and goes millions of years into the past. And so, you know, he's essentially the, the ruler of nothing. So they defeated him with this smashing of the keyboard. But I just thought, what a nonsense line, you know, <laughs> studying computer programming. But there it's you just, go. It's typical 80s though, Dave, isn't it? That's the thing. It's just typical... 80s there has to be a one-liner somewhere in a lot of these films so either close the film out or something to remember it by so no yeah like say that's the end of the film and nothing we can do dave he's going to our review let's go dave if you don't mind obviously i've never seen it before i wouldn't mind going first today if that's okay Uh, of course yeah, so like I said before, I did a bit of a summing up, to be fair. It's got a weird charm to it. It's an absolute B-movie. I'm sure there's plenty of people going to watch it and go, what the fuck is this? But but genuinely, if you take all that aside and just watch it for a sort of pocketed capsule of the 80s and the mid-80s especially, it's just got a weird charm to it that I actually quite enjoyed. And I can't believe I'm even saying this. It... it it really has, like I say, Fontana does me, Eddie. Harry Fontana is an absolute pain in the arse through the film. And yeah, there is the Han Solo references. If you sort of close your eyes slightly, it does give a little bit of charm off. But it's just got the most ridiculous stuff. The Mandroid stuff especially is worth watching just to see the guy, you know, Patrick Reynolds struggle to keep himself upright through this film. I mean, he's pretty sure he falls <laughs> over in the outtakes. So no, a, a cracking daft movie so for me i'm sending it to elm street dave it isn't the worst thing we've i'll ever review but it's certainly not one of the best but it's something that i could definitely see myself watching at some point down the road so what about yourself dave well just before i get into that that is pretty amazing really because i i seem to remember again just going to comics in motion so if you wanted to listen to a whole bunch of other review movies and tv shows that are based on comic books just search for comics in motion in your podcast catcher and and you'll find a bunch there but i seem to remember when we first went through nick fury agent of shield i'm sure you started off with this is the worst movie i've ever seen and i'll never ever watch this And, and i think over time as i've thrown more and more of these terrible movies at you I think I've ground you down a little bit and lowered your expectations. <laughs> <laughs> because I thought, I felt for sure when I was rewatching this, I thought, you know, Chris is going to be hating me right now. <laughs> He's going to absolutely hate this. But no, I mean, that's good. I, I, I think I could watch it again. Maybe yeah. not now. I'm gonna probably give it a bit of distance and try and forget a few things again. But again, when you take it for what it actually is, a mid eighties sci-fi movie, I think it is quite endearing. I mean the the storyline's all chaotic and there's just too much in there. If it was to genuinely be a really good movie, you could probably take out a few elements. You could probably take out the ninja, you could probably take out the cavemen. You could give the main antagonist a little bit more of a believable goal, you know, than to 
go back to ancient Rome (laughs) in a cyborg suit and try and take over the place. You know, it's just, but you've got all these crazy ideas and it's like just making a big sci-fi soup of stuff. And again, if you were to analyze it and look, you know, why does it work? You've got no idea and it shouldn't really work, but it does. And, uh, you know, again, I, I really like, that those practical effects of the mandroid, I do find it slightly laughable that he has to take his legs off before he can attach himself to the truck, rendering it pretty useless, really. But yeah, there's a lot to like about this. And, and like you say, it just is fun. You know, don't watch it and expect to see something that's, that's gripping. It's nothing like, you know, say the Terminator or the Robocop that came the year after. This is definitely on the other end of the budget there. But I'm going to send it to Elm Street as well. I think it it definitely is worth a watch if you haven't seen it before. Um, And for those of you who might have seen it before, I think you'll still have a lot of fun to go back and watch it. Now, Chris, have you got any plugs for us? Yeah, so one of our other podcasts, Dave, is based on the TV show that's sweeping the UK and maybe a little bit around the world. We review a show called Love Island, and every night that the show's on, so six nights out of seven, myself and Dave hop on and do a honest review of what we've just seen and basically just take the mick out of everything to do with the show and analyze and get very annoyed at these superficial arseholes who star in Love Island. So if you want to get involved in that, if you get on your podcast catcher and search the Love Island cast and myself and Dave will hopefully entertain you. And if you want to follow us on Twitter at the Love Island cast, or if you want to email us, it's the Love Island cast at gmail.com. Now, Dave, it's been a great, first three episodes of the VHS Strikes Back. If you do want to follow us as well, guys out there, get on Twitter at VHS Strikes Back. Or if you want to email the show, the VHS Strikes Back at gmail.com. And if you've got any suggestions you want myself or Dave to, you know, getting our teeth into review from the VHS era, then please contact us. Or if you've got any questions about anything we've talked about on the show. Now, Dave, have you got anything to take us out with today? I am going to emphasize again, if you've made it all the way through this review, just out of curiosity and you haven't actually gone and watched it, I will give you a line that Harry Fontana gave. And that is, we got robots, we got cavemen, we got kung fu. What more can you ask for? Goodbye. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? What are we going to do? Maybe we could build a fire, sing a couple of songs, huh? Why don't we try that? We better get back, because it'll be dark soon, and they mostly come at night. Mostly. I'll be back. That's not. We came, we saw, we kicked his ass. Wax on, wax off. Go for it. Well, here we go. Ain't so bad. Ain't so bad. Ain't so bad. Ain't so bad. Ain't nothing. You must be crazy or something. I'm crazy. You're just a stupid guy. Yeah, maybe you're crazy. 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 You're